0: Welcome to the Weekly Skeptic, episode 10. I'm Nick Dixon, and as ever, I'm joined by Destroyer of Britain, Toby Young. More on that later, perhaps. This week, Gary Neville struggled to defend the indefensible. A Lib Dem MP is viciously attacked by his own party for being a Christian. Nothing new there. And Elon Musk steps up his beautiful reign of terror on Twitter. All that and more, plus our weekly roundup with Will Jones. And of course, we'll be playing Peak Woke. But Toby, did did you see this thing about Destroyer of Britain? You were listed as a kind of dangerous person by someone called Lucy Woods on Twitter. Did you see this?
1: People pointed it out to me. So it was like a photo montage of all the worst people in Britain. And I was in this rogues gallery. I was actually slap bang in the center, like I was the spider at the center (laughs) of the web. And uh, I, I only I'm only aware of it because I saw lots of people complaining that they weren't included in it. Um, like uh, I think James Dellingpole complained that he his photo wasn't amongst the destroyers of Britain. Um, but uh, yeah, so who is Helen Woods?
0: It's Lucy Woods,
1: and um, Lucy Woods.
0: When you look into her, she does look rather bot-like. So at first, she, I thought, okay, it's just, it's just another Toby hater. But actually, you look at it, and it's a sort of a, like attractive-looking woman. You think, okay, is this a scam? Her bio is me, myself, I am, comma, want to know more, ask me, comma, I am not like the others, no DMs, full stop, so feel free. I'm like, doesn't feel particularly authentic to me. (laughs) And you look through her tweets, and they're all kind of just nonsense, really. They're all sort of badly written. You know, there was one here, young, ordinary, ordinary capitalized, double space, people driven to protest because they want a future, big space, comma, is that too much to ask? With a picture of the just-stop oil people, so... This is some sort of bot, Toby. You're on some sort of, it's actually more impressive because you're on some sort yeah. of Chinese hit list.
1: No, that's much more impressive than just being hated by your communal garden, guardianista. Um, <laughs> I'm clearly thought to be a threat to um, the Chinese Communist Party. So that's very flattering.
0: Yeah, so you're a destroyer of Britain. Tick that off the bucket list. And um, and something, something I ticked off my bucket list was watching I'm a Celebrity get me out of here, which I've never done. <laughs> in my whole uh-huh. life, quite deliberately, but was told to watch it by you because we are wanted to talk about Matt Hancock. So I watched a yes. whole episode of this rubbish and Matt Hancock wasn't even in it.
1: I've watched two whole episodes now and Matt <laughs> Hancock still hasn't made an appearance. So, you know, if you feel bad, think how I feel. Um, yeah, it was brutal. Um, my God, it is just gold-plated dreck, isn't it? And uh, I mean, I, I used to quite like it, to be fair. Um, but it, I mean, Ant and Deck I thought, were kind of... Uh, I thought you know I thought their shelf life had probably expired 10 years ago now I mean they, they see, they've still they've got this same kind of cheeky chappy laddish persona um, and yet they look about 60 um, <laughs> particular one, one of them's really fat um, and he sort of tries to conceal it with these tent like kind of Hawaiian shirts it's like you're yeah, fooling no one mate you're really fat um, but uh yeah no uh, apparently 9.1 million people tuned in to you know the first episode on Sunday night hoping to see Matt Hancock eating kangaroo's testicles and he was a no-show and uh, I, I think at the beginning of the show they explained that there had been some kind of snafu and so matt hadn't materialized at least that was my understanding of what they were saying and Geordie accents are so thick I need subtitles but uh, so it seemed like he was supposed to be on the first one you know uh, 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 but he just didn't turn up or he's still negotiating his contract or something and then Olivia Atwood who was on episodes one and two it was then announced was withdrawing for quote-unquote medical reasons but she then said on Instagram that you know there was A story behind the story, and she would get to tell the real story in due course. And she had criticized Hancock before um, uh, the program you know began and maybe hancock threw a hissy fit and said i'm not appearing on that program with that woman who's criticized me from love island so they literally had to yank her from the show before hancock would agree to enter the jungle that that's my theory anyway
0: mm, yeah it, well a bit far-fetched but then again when he was on that other podcast he he did seem like the kind of guy that would do that you Remember that <laughs> podcast where he stopped and said could, could we do that a bit again ask it a bit more respectfully and it's like this is all going out matt this is a podcast <laughs> And he said, like, "Can we just, just do that again?" It's like, no, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see all of this and see who you really are. But I don't think it's that sinister because he was a late addition, so of course he wouldn't be in it. In hindsight, I mean, Sean Moss, my mate also isn't in it because he's a late addition. So I watched well, they, it. They, yeah, Gone.
1: They, they definitely do have, that, that, that is that is sort of um, part of the format. They have these kind of late arrivals. But uh, I didn't think he was supposed to be one of the late arrivals. I thought he was supposed to be in it from the get-go, but maybe I just got that wrong.
0: Well, notice he wasn't on the credits, nor was Sean. So I thought, okay, they're the late additions. They'll come in later because they're not on the credits. So that's what I thought. But it was still a big waste of time. I, I thought that once I watched it, and he didn't appear. So I was just I want to see how my mate Sean would do, how Matt Hancock would do. We didn't find out either. What we did find out is that Boy George is in it, despite having beaten a man with a chain and and t- who, who had to then sort of pull himself off a radio, like like pull the whole fitting it, off. Then yeah, he ran outside where Boy George continued to beat him with a chain. That wasn't on the show, that was in his past.
1: They, 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 they didn't include that in the kind of uh you know um, the the cheerful, cuddly bio of um, Boy George, uh, it, 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 the, the the little snapshot bio. Uh, they didn't mention that, but you know he he was I don't know how quite long it was about ten years ago. So he was actually convicted and um, sentenced to jail. I mean, he he served time in prison. Um, I think he uh, contacted a male escort on Tinder or some similar app. Um, the guy comes around to his house, um, performs. sexual service but boy George was unhappy with it for one reason or another and so he chained him to a radiator or to his bed and kept him prisoner for like 24 hours and sexually assaulted him and eventually as you say the guy escaped and Boy George pursued him through the streets, even though the poor man was naked. Um, And uh, yeah, he he was convicted for kidnapping, I think, um, and assault. Um, Quite a serious crime. And uh, and, uh, maybe, you know, I'm someone who does believe in second chances. um, So, you know, I'm not going to begrudge Boy George's um, opportunity to rehabilitate himself, even though that's not part of the thing he's supposed to be rehabilitating himself for. But why can't the same, charity, Christian charity, be extended to kind of men who've been me too, you know, um, can we have Harvey Weinstein, you know, when he gets out of prison in the jungle, you know, um, but y- you just can't imagine the equivalent happening, you know, a man convicted and who's served time for sexually assaulting and kidnapping a female prostitute being in the jungle. That, That I think would be you know, a, a longer cancellation than um, Boy George has had to endure. And it feels like a double standard.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, as you say, he was sentenced for 15 months in jail, was granted early release after four months for good behaviour and wore an ankle monitor. I know, pretty bad. To be very fair, though, also Caroline Flack, of course, assaulted her boyfriend uh, and, and was fired and then, of course, killed herself, which is horrific. So, but yeah, it doesn't seem that different. I mean, why was she sacked? Uh, yeah, he shouldn't be on there, really. Let's be honest. It's absolutely mad. But um, on your point about Weinstein, it suddenly, I was thinking, what other shows could we have? But it reminds me, when I watched the show, I thought, hey, why don't we have a show called Culture Wars? And listen, check this idea out, Toby, you'll like this. It's, it's left versus right in some kind of house or some kind of space. Right wingers are forced to be in there with weirdo lefties, and they compete against each other, a bit like SAS, Who Dares Wins. There's like boxing outside Pummeling each other, but then they sometimes have to work together. So you've got like Nigel Farage abseiling with Ash Sarkar, and it's like <laughs> the tension of will she hold the rope properly or just let him <laughs> fall to his death? I mean, wouldn't that be a great show, Culture Wars? That's really good. Yeah, fantastic. And you could I be in that. I know you I were desperate it, <laughs> to be in the jungle.
1: I think that would be a lot more entertaining than certainly this series of um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, pretty I, poor. Do, do you think that if you were Matt Hancock, you enter the jungle, and boy george leads a kind of attack on you and says you know you really shouldn't be in here you misled the public you broke the rules you're expecting the rest of us to obey you 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 were unfaithful to your wife you betrayed your children you know y- y- you are a public disgrace and you, you really shouldn't be being paid to be on british television do you think if 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 you were matt hancock and boy george attacked you like that would you come back with well wait a minute at least i didn't serve time for assaulting a male
0: prostitute or would that be cons- would that actually make things worse i would certainly come back <laughs> with that if under pressure but I, I think i'd like to think boy george at least has the self-awareness not to start attacking other people for their backgrounds during the show i mean i hope Maybe. so i don't know who knows these days people are so mad um speaking of people taking huge sums of money for dubious uh, moral Reasons. What about Gary Neville? He was recently attacked on Have I Got News For You? In a rare watchable moment of that show now, Ian Hislop and the others, but particularly Hislop, rounded on him and said, Gary, how can you justify going out to Qatar to take money to cover the World Cup? And his argument seemed to be, well, you know, there's always two, I've always seen it like two options. You can go out there and you can, talk about it or you can stay home and not talk about it and in his goes or you could stay home and talk about it i mean he genuinely hadn't considered it, it looked his, his mind was blown his tiny mind was just the, the wheels were turning and you thought gary neville's actually never considered that it's an option to turn down something because of ethics when you're offered money he's not even considered that's an option
1: yeah i couldn't work out there are three possibilities either he's just a bit thick. And hadn't realised it was the third option. Um, uh, or, 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 or he just hadn't thought, you know, he, for some reason, he hadn't anticipated that he would be likely hauled over the coals by Ian Hislop for precisely that beforehand. And so hadn't prepared an answer. So that was the best he could do. Or he was trying to say, surely if I... Go out there and highlight the issues out there on Qatari television while commentating on the World Cup. That's going to have a bigger impact than if I stay home and highlight them at home. Maybe he was trying to make that argument but just garbled it. That would be the most charitable explanation.
0: Yes, but is that argument even, does that even work anyway? You know, can you really be out there commenting on it and just say, Oh, they should have made more of that corner. And by the way, I deplore Qatar's rules on homosexuality. How you yeah. Well, do it, it it's 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 kind of this odd
1: taboo on television whereby celebrities who kind of get paid to do ridiculous things even if they're completely at odds with their principles have to pretend that there's some other reason they're doing it they're not doing it for the money this comes up on I'm a celeb all the time people are people pretend that they they want to kind of confront their fears or they um they've always been great fans of the show and always wonder what it would be like you know no one says I'm doing it for the money though Anton Deck I I saw in in the in the later season did in fact kind of make a few gags about that but it's like completely taboo there has to be this kind of ulterior motive the real motive has to be concealed and that even applies to Gary you know I mean he should have just said to Ian saying, why are you going out there said well Ian you know I do have these principles but they're not so strongly held that I wasn't prepared to <laughs> sacrifice them for 600,000 <laughs> <laughs> pounds he only goes so far yeah yeah that would have been yeah. I'm you're putting right it about... into Salford yeah <laughs> You yeah, yeah. can get a striker with that Ian yeah yeah,
0: yeah. you're right I mean they always say, I just wanted the challenge. It's like, no, I'm prepared to humiliate myself for a paycheck. That's what I thought about Olivia Atwood. I thought, is she smart enough? Like she got on there, did the absolute minimum and just got off and still gets paid or something. I was like, has she got some sort of... Yeah,
1: I I think they've said to her, I think the usual thing is if you bail after 48 hours, then you don't get to keep the paycheck. And that's how they force people who want to bail to stay. Um, But uh, in her case, she was allowed to keep the money. um, And that, to my mind, suggests that um, there is this other reason she was yanked. And the reason she's allowed to keep the money is on condition that she doesn't talk about it, at least for the duration of the show.
0: Maybe she uh, Googled Boy George and said, <laughs> I'm getting out of here. They're like, fair enough. Um, all right, let's do Rishi then, because we always have our sort of usual analysis of the pros and cons of the Conservative Party. And it was pretty cons-based this week. We, we predicted correctly last week that, that Rishi would U-turn on COP27, which he duly did. And you realize who's even running the government? Who's making these decisions? He comes out and says he's not going. Suddenly he is going. It's the blob again. It's the, it's the coup. I got very despondent after that about who was, who was running everything. I got very sort of conspiratorial. But then he came out with this reparations nonsense. I've not followed it as closely as usual because I've been on holiday This My holiday means two days off work and just being at home, not looking at as much news as normal. But I've not been following as closely. But basically, he wants to give all our money to developing countries because we once had an empire and we we made some fumes in the air or something.
1: I think um, a consortium of developing countries are asking for a trillion pound or maybe it's a trillion dollar um, reparations package. Um, to compensate them for all the damage that's being done to their countries by climate change. And the Brits should be saddled with a particularly large portion of this bill, because after all, we were the first country to industrialise. That's the argument. And um, the British delegation, according to The Telegraph and other sources, the British delegation to COP27 uh, has, 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 has acknowledged that this is a valid argument. They can't kick this into the long grass you know, it's been bubbling up each time there's a cop. And this time they're going to have to kind of sit down with the representatives of Pakistan and other developing countries, the Maldives, and talk about, you know, a compensation package. But I think Rishi himself has said, no, we can't pay reparations. Um, So I don't think he has actually formally endorsed this yet. Um, What was interesting is that Boris... Um, was asked at a New York Times fringe event at COP27, whether he thought Britain should pay reparations. And his answer was kind of absolutely, I mean, incredibly wet. He he more or less accepted that in principle, we should, because we were the first country to industrialize and therefore have been emitting carbon for longer than anyone else. But we just can't afford it at the moment. That was his sort of argument. You know, even though you're basically right, Um, You know, uh, the British taxpayer can't afford it. So we're going to have to come up with another way of compensating these developing countries for the terrible harm that um, free market capitalism, the model developed in Britain in the mid 18th century has done to these countries. I mean, you know, he could have he could have answered in a number of other ways. I've written my spectator column this week about this. I mean, he could have said, first of all, he could have challenged the notion that there is a connection between things like the floods in Pakistan earlier this year and carbon emissions. Um, You know, um, those floods were widely described as the worst floods in Pakistan's history. But actually, a moment of googling reveals that there have been higher death tolls from floods at least four times in Pakistan in the last um, 75 years or so, um, uh, dating back to the 1950s. Um, So they're not the worst floods that have ever beset Pakistan, they they were bad. And, And, you know, if you look at the data around whether extreme flooding has become more frequent in the last thirty years or so. Actually, the data suggests the opposite. Extreme floods happen more often seventy years ago than they are now. Um, so the idea that they're caused by global warming—that there is some link—I mean, first of all, he could have challenged, you know, that idea, but of course he wouldn't because he's gone all in on net zero since he met Carrie and he's abandoned his climate scepticism. So okay, maybe it was unrealistic to expect him to push back on those grounds. But he could have then said, well, hang on a second. Okay, let's suppose there is a connection between carbon emissions and these extreme weather events that are wreaking havoc in developing countries. Um, China is a developing country. And I think in in the five years between, um, uh, I think, 2017 and 2022, China has emitted more carbon than Britain did between 1750 and 2010 uh great stat i found um it was in a telegraph piece from our world in data and it's just incredible i mean you know china which is a country which would be entitled as a developing country to some of this comp- to a share of this compensation has actually emitted more carbon than the uk so it, the idea that we should compensate them for the damage done by carbon emissions is just completely absurd boris could have made that point i think and remained more or less on brand but of course the Most obvious rejoinder is that, as you said earlier, when we were kind of discussing this before we came on air, I mean, the benefits of capitalism for the developing world far outstrip the costs. I mean, you know, I looked it up and the um, GNP per capita in Pakistan in 1960 was essentially zero. Free market capitalism has transformed Pakistan, has raised hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. Um, uh, the notion that they've somehow, somehow industrialization, as pioneered by Britain 270 years ago has caused the world more harm than it's done good is just completely preposterous. Um, uh, but, but you know, uh, you'd expect Boris could easily have made that argument. I don't think he must have made that argument before in the past. He must know how many billions of people have been been elevated out of absolute poverty as a result of capitalism.
0: Yeah, and Mogg made that exact point, Jacob Rees-Mogg. He said today, eight hours ago, there's no need to pay reparations. Our leadership of the Industrial Revolution brought prosperity to the world and led to increased life expectancy and better living conditions. So there you go. It's not that hard to make that argument. My other point was, where's my reparations for the Industrial Revolution, my family being in the Lancashire cotton mills? And as Douglas Murray famously said in an interview that the average well, i think it's in his book as well the average life expectancy for a cotton mill worker in lancashire in the industrial revolution was 30 or something or whatever it was it was half that or i need to get the stat exactly right but it was lower than a slave alive at the same time something like it was a lot lower so i say where's my reparations we built all that it wasn't great for the people who were doing it where's their reparations Anyway, just another angle that's very much sort of based on my own victimhood. But um, (laughs) do you want to quickly do the uh, ad, Toby? Yes. Yeah, it is from
1: our friendly Scottish businessman sponsor, Thor Holt. Skeptics, meet Thor Holt. I know Thor personally. He's provided pro bono support to free speech union cancel culture victims since we launched. And he'd like to connect with you. When Thor isn't supporting FSU members in the eye of a Twitter storm, he helps businesses through challenging times. For example, an SME facing 20% redundancies worked with Thor and within four months landed £20.4 million pounds worth of new contracts, avoided redundancies and secured a 10-year project pipeline. And Thor has included a personal note for weekly sceptic listeners. In my experience, business has been a lonely place for free thinkers since 2016. A regrettable, if understandable, lack of individuals able to speak their mind on many issues, Brexit, climate, Trump, ESG or whatever diversity gruel of the day is being dished up. Actually, in 2022, coming out as a free thinker in the boardroom could be as risky as donning your Trump 2020 MAGA cap and heading down to a BLM rally. But let's focus on what we can still do together. After all, even in these crazy days, there are deals to be done and business missions to deliver on. As your ghost non-exec, I don't have to sit on your company board, but I do bring the positive challenge and performance boost of a good non-executive director. You'll be more focused, and your business, whether you're a one-person, limited company, or SME will win more deals and enjoy the process with me and your team. I'd love to hear from you, whether you're interested in my ghost non-executive director service, or you just appreciate a coffee and some encouragement. Uh, You can contact Thor at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt, T-H-O-R-H-O-L-T, or send me a message at Telegram on at Thor underscore Holt.
0: All right, now let's go to Will Jones for our top stories of the week. So I'm here with Will, editor of The Daily Skeptic, of course, and we've got loads of great stories. When I say great, I mean sort of terrible in a lot of ways, but this one's interesting. The Scottish government admits masks are harmful. It doesn't sound like them,
2: Will. That's right, but they did. Uh, We had a story this week uh, written by uh, Valerie Nelson, who was involved with the negotiations with the Scottish Government, raising concerns about the harms of mask wearing. And as a consequence of that, shortly after the negotiations and the discussions, the guidance was changed in Scotland, finally removing the recommendation, uh, which was effectively a mandate for mask wearing in healthcare settings, in hospitals. Um, and care homes and um, and the reason given was that the uh, the benefits of mask wearing needed or supposed benefits as they see them needed to be balanced against the impacts of uh, wearing masks on people in care homes and hospitals and so so this was this was a major uh, change and we ran an article about this uh saying the Scottish Scottish government has finally admitted that there are harms uh, with mask wearing and uh, this was very swiftly fact checked this article uh, by Reuters and uh, with the Scottish government giving a, a quote saying that this uh, this grossly misrepresents their their position, Valerie did a rebuttal of their of their fact check uh, because um, the, the truth is that the guidance clearly says that they are balancing the benefits of masks. Uh, from the impacts, which obviously means the detrimental or harmful impacts of masking, you can't you can't balance the benefits against the against the something that isn't harmful. Obviously. The other benefits, so, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Any sense. Uh, so we've been fact checked for that, but that is um, still uh, so. The Scottish government is is in denial about the of what it's said, but that is nonetheless uh, what it has said.
0: Yeah, I see people wearing masks again in the supermarket, and I just think, what is wrong with you? But anyway, speaking of what's wrong with the public, let's do this one. The public have demanded more restrictions again, apparently, Will.
2: Yeah. As we go into autumn, here we go. The, the public come back with the the polls come up, get published, showing how much the the public love being locked down and locked in their homes and told what to do by bossy politicians and scientists. So that's that's where we are, showing that uh, majorities of them or near majorities are wanting turns to uh, to rules of about social distancing and masks and and all of that. So we do need to bear in mind that this is a YouGov poll, uh, which are known to be Propaganda. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, to not exactly precisely reflect the true uh, state of public opinion. And you can see this in the fact that it says that 90% of the over 65s told the YouGov poll that they were likely to get an autumn booster vaccine this autumn. Whereas, in fact, the official statistics show that the number of over 65s who have gone out and got an autumn booster has flattened, is flattening out around about 70%. Uh, so 70%, that's a lot lower than 90%. Uh, and that can probably gives you a pretty good idea of how skewed uh, the YouGov poll is. So to pinch a salt, but nonetheless, pretty depressing to see that so many people, um, even in a biased poll, um, would say that they want to go back to any of the nonsense uh, of uh, the last two and a half years.
0: Absolutely. And on a similar topic, the US apparently imposed a secret lockdown plan.
2: Yeah, so this was a good investigative journalism that should be on the front page of the of the New York Times or um, or whatever, but is just in the alternative media. It's uh, on the Brownstone Institute, and uh, and we um, published it as well. And this is uh, an investigation that found that in March two thousand twenty, the response to the virus in the U.S. was taken over by the National Security Council by, and so it was taken off the public health bodies who had, and they were the public health bodies, like the CDC, the NIH, were the ones who prepared the the pandemic plans, pandemic plans which didn't include lockdowns, didn't include all the draconian uh, stuff, stay at home stuff that we've seen, and instead was just taken over by the National Security Council and given to them. And the documents show that their response was based on plans, on a, a pandemic plan that has not been published. Uh, so we do not know what the national security uh, council and the security services what their plan was where it came from what it said although we've seen the outcome of it lockdowns etc cetera, etc cetera. and debbie lerman who did this investigation her her suspicion and um it's hard to disagree with her is that the reason the national security council took over um, and started treating this as a this, the pandemic as a security national security issue and not a public health issue was because they uh, were sus- suspected or knew that it was an engineered virus. And so are treating it like a form of biosecurity or biowarfare. So uh, yeah, um, intriguing stuff.
0: Mm, tough times for the wet market theory. Um, so here's another one on a similar topic. People are losing confidence in the vaccines. I mean, I could have told you that as a layman, but what does this story mean?
2: Yeah, so a surveys come out in a published in a peer reviewed journal showing that they've they looked at a survey of people and their confidence in vaccines before the pandemic. And they've asked uh, people late, later on um, since, since then, and so recently uh, since the COVID uh, vaccines, and they found a significant drop. In vaccine confidence over that time, and uh, in fact, 24%. So nearly a quarter of the samples said that their confidence in vaccines had gone down as a result of, or since then, and we presume as a result of the COVID, um, the COVID vaccines and the problems with those. And 24% is a, around about the number of people in the country who aren't vaccinated against COVID. So it's so it's a reflection of. Um, so it's a reflection of that. And it's an indication of the number of of the number of people who are alert to the problems uh, with the vaccines, or at least those who, um, yeah, who are taking that seriously.
0: All right, that's probably enough on COVID for one day. Let's get on to another of our favourite topics, climate madness. So US warming has been exaggerated up to 50% over the last 50 years.
2: Yeah, so it's a new data set from Dr. Roy Spencer, who was uh, worked at, at NASA, uh, so as a, you know, a proper proper, scientist and a person who knows his onions when it comes to the climate. And he's developed a methodology for, for trying to remove the urban heat island effect. So that's the, that's the artificial raising of temperature in weather stations that are located in urban environment, uh, such as, infamously, airports. Heathrow, yeah.
0: That's so we get these nutters saying that, oh, it got to 40 degree temperatures, all these nutters like the Just Stop Oil people. But that means at Heathrow next to like a, an exhaust port of a plane or something, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the record temperatures were are uh, almost always at airports. Yeah, they're always always the hottest places. And so he, he found a way of measuring that effect and therefore removing it. And he's found that the true amount that the temperature of the US has Gone up in the last fifty years, it appears to be around fifty percent less, so half of the amount that the the official measurements uh, that don't take this into account show. So a huge a huge reduction, and would show that the the fear of rapid uh, warming is uh, is not uh, borne out.
0: Who knew? All right, one more, finally, on this sort of vague area, which is electric vehicle batteries are exploding.
2: Yep. So. As more and more people use electric vehicles and more and more people use electric cars, uh, the number that of fires and exploding batteries um, has been going up, uh, well, exponentially, really. It's gone from 30 to 100 to 200 in the last three years. And that's because electric uh, batteries, they store a lot of energy, uh, yeah, a huge amount of energy in a very small space. And so they're very prone uh, with any kind of imperfections from their manufacture or any kind of wear and tear that can result in a catastrophic ignition and when when they start to burn uh, it's a chemical fire so you can't just put it out you can't just exhaust it of of oxygen there's not really any way of stopping it you just have to let it burn and um, and of course these things can burn there's there was one example of a a car exploding in a a car battery exploding in a container ship um, and igniting the entire something like 500 million dollars worth of cargo which is all electric vehicles and sinking the entire ship and that's an extreme example but these these things are happening uh more and more and it's uh, just one of many problems with this new technology that we're trying to very very quickly foist onto the public to replace the tried and tested technology of internal combustion engines so yeah pretty depressing in a way because you know the te- electric vehicles are seem like a nice idea but they're a uh, but they do seem to have this safety problem.
0: Yeah, it's not going to work. Let's go back to the past. That's what I always say about about everything. It's always the answer. No change, just go back. All right, thanks for that, Will. As ever, go to dailyskeptic.org for all those stories and many more. And we'll catch up again with Will next week. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Nick. Let's move on to our next story about this Lib Dem MP, or aspiring MP for Sutton and Cheam. This is David Campanali, And he was hounded by the people of Sutton and Cheam, the Lib Dem activists, at least, for being a Christian. Yeah, no, I
1: think that's right. Um, uh, and Sutton and Cheam is one of the, I think, um, I, think it, it, I don't think it's currently a Lib Dem seat, but it is one of the most winnable target seats for the Lib Dems and would almost certainly go yellow at the next general election. But yeah, having selected him, and he's very respectable, former BBC World Service journalist, but he's a lifelong Christian. And um, as such, he's pro-life. And after the Dobbs decision, Supreme Court decision, um, I think he was questioned by some pro-choice activists in in the Lib Dem Association in Sutton and Cheam to see where he stood. And it turned out he was pro-life. And so they then effectively moved to deselect him as the Lib Dem candidate, even though there isn't an official position within the Liberal Democratic Party on this issue. If it comes up in Parliament, Lib Dem MPs are told they can vote with their conscience. There's no official party whip on this policy. But even though it's regarded as, you know, A matter of conscience for Lib Dem MPs, his local, the activists in his local association decided that if he was pro-life, then he couldn't be, he couldn't be their candidate. So they're attempting to deselect him. It's pretty shocking.
0: It was disgusting. Of course, uh, by the way, Paul Scully is still in that seat as a conservative, like you say, it's up for grabs. And it's, it's disgusting. It happened to Tim Farron, my local MP from back home, still my parents MP. He was famously leader of the Lib Dems. And he was grilled on this thing of, do you think, homosexual sex is a sin and all this. And he was basically grilled on the definition of sin. They kind of, he should have just said sin has no meaning outside of a religious context. So, so your question is kind of impossible, but he got, he got stumped by it and they got rid of him. And he was, he was just, and he ended up saying, I can't be a Christian and a Lib Well, He's still in the Lib Dems, which is weird to me. I mean, it's appalling. They said to him, these activists, well, we want a rational secular party. Not very rational, their behavior is it really. And it's certainly not very liberal. So I thought it was absolutely disgusting, but not too surprising in the world we're in. I mean, we've gone from a, a world where, that I grew up in where being Christian was the national religion. You were virtually assumed to be a Christian. It was just it was just the norm. And now mm. it's fighting for survival in a sort of fringe joke political party like the Lib Dems, whether, whether you're even allowed to be a Christian. I mean, you can't really fall much further than that. And I would also note that Calvin Robinson on GB did a recent video where he talked about marriage being between a man and a woman and sort of, you know, adhering to the teachings the official teachings of the of the church and he's had so much stick for that from even from colleagues like tom harwood and chris bryant's that famous moral paragon he weighed in to say why it was terrible and i just think we're lost as christians if we can't assert basics of the religion and this is why andrew tate who we, we like to talk about on this show recently said that islam is the last true religion because it's the only one that upholds its own rules and thus he converted to islam uh, which i don't know if you saw that he then got in trouble with this guy he's been beefing with called true geordie this is more my kind of a level true geordie this youtuber made a joke about it about tate blowing himself up and then tate was like it's disgusting you would disrespect my religion and all this and so he's totally owned him on muslim grass. now now uh, geordie's had to apologize because he's not taken islam seriously and everyone's just attacked him so true geordie was speculating this was just a clever move because andrew tate got canceled just to convert to islam we can speculate on that i think it's genuine but it, it, anyway i've rambled there but isn't it just interesting how low christianity has fallen
1: yeah i mean it it, it isn't just um in the Lib Dems that being a Christian now is considered beyond the pale. I mean, it's also true of being a member of the Church of England. Um, I I think I've told this story yet before (laughs) on the Weekly Skeptic, but um, the Free Speech Union had to look after a man who, when his baby was born, posted this celebratory message on Twitter, in which he said how much joy having a child had brought to him and his wife, and recommending that, you know, everyone try and have uh, children, because it's such a wonderful experience. And in he quoted the, uh, I think it's a, a, a passage from one of the Psalms about going forth and multiplying. And um, uh, he was immediately piled on on Twitter. Um, uh, literally hundreds of women uh, piled on and said, "You know, first of all, you're being incredibly insensitive to women who can't have children, who would love to have children but can't for medical reasons. Didn't you think about?" The impact your tweet would have on them before you posted it, and secondly, don't you realise it's incredibly environmentally irresponsible to encourage people to have, you know, lots of children? Uh, Don't don't you worry? Don't you? Aren't you concerned about the future of the planet? And it turned out that all these women chastising him for uh, this tweet were female vicars in the Church of England, and several of them complained to his archdeacon. He was a trainee vicar; Uh, just he was in the same position Calvin was before Calvin. Left the Church of England because um, he couldn't become a vicar. So he was a trainee vicar, and his archdeacon, instead of you know telling these trendy female woke vicars to take a hike, instead placed this poor chap under investigation. And uh, the uh, conclusion was that uh, if he was going to continue with his career, if he if he had, if he wanted to become a vicar, he would have to undergo a course of psychotherapy. In other words, if you express orthodox Christian beliefs in the Church of England, they think you're mad. That's a, that, <laughs> literally that, mad. They, they think you're literally mad that's a symptom of insanity um yeah. so it isn't it isn't just the it's that the is, church of england too
0: <laughs> that is shocking i mean it's not shocking but it's disturbing it's not shocking because we're so used to it now yeah i mean the young christians i know like uh, connor at lotus eaters and, and people like that they don't even go to church carl benjamin was trying to have a go to saying, well how often do you go to church and how much do you pray and all this kind of stuff because I was saying we should all be Christian, but it, it, some of the most hardcore young Christians—they don't even go to church because the church is so compromised. I mean, the fact that they made us all wear masks and, and shut during lockdown mm. to me was completely, completely undermined them. I'm, I'm like, there's no way Jesus would have done that. So yeah, I'm not sure what we do as as, as Christians at this point. We just have to almost—I don't know—do we have to start a new church? I'm not sure what to do, Toby.
1: I think there are. I think there are some, uh, still some Anglican um, churches. Um, where you might feel at home i think that yeah they're obviously quite thin on the ground and you have to hunt them out so I should create a website you know a sort of non-woke churchfinder dot com um, yeah for people like you to find you know the handful of vicars um dotted around the united kingdom um who are still christians
0: i think reverend jamie from irreverent podcast has tried to do something like that yeah but i'm not i don't I'm not too sure about it but yeah it'd be good like base churches around the country
1: yeah, finding finding the last surviving pockets of Christianity in the Anglican Church—it's like you know a treasure hunt type thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's another <laughs> company you could set up, Toby, just to add yeah. to all the millions of things you already
1: could do. It'd like, we be a good, good subject for an investigative journalist. Can you find the last vicar in England who actually <laughs> believes in God? <laughs>
0: uh, tragic. I'm thinking about Islam. I'm not sure. Um, that's that's too depressing. That topic. So let's move on to our good friend, Elon Musk, because it's so interesting, the Elon Musk ongoing Twitter saga. So he banned Kathy Griffin, which was absolute lulls. I mean, we shouldn't perhaps revel in cancellations of anyone, but we can have, a, I think, a short period of time where we get to enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> Before I mean, we
1: condemn it, we can giggle. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah we've, we've had years of suffering. Can't we just have a little bit of fun? I mean, Kathy Griffin famously did that picture of Trump's decapitated head, not his real head, of course, but a sort of mock-up of, Trump's decapitated head in her hand. And this was the kind of thing she could get away with because she was just so protective. She could do anything. She faced no real consequences from that, except for, you know, people saying they didn't like it en masse. But, but she didn't receive, she didn't seem to lose anything from it. So she could do things like that. But what she can't do now is in, impersonate Elon Musk. So she changed her name to Elon Musk, you know, and her profile picture to make some quip or something. Boom, she's suspended completely immediately, which yeah. is, let's face it, gone.
1: And he issued this statement saying, going forward, any Twitter handles engaging in impersonation without clearly specifying parody will be permanently suspended. And um, I wondered if that included, you know, um, trans women and trans men. I mean, if you if you decide that, you know, you're going to um, you want to identify as um, a different sex to the one you were born with. I mean, that's sort of a kind of impersonation, too. If you don't put parody in your account, Elon Musk will ban you. Do you think, do you think he was giving himself license? To do, I don't know. I Maybe. He's very
0: smart. He's very 4D <laughs> chess. The, yeah. the only downer of it is it stops Count Dankula being able to be really funny on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen what he does, but during the Roe versus Wade hysteria, he changed his profile to Justice Dankula with, like, a picture – it was putting out these tweets, sort of about you know, sorry, ladies, no more abortions. You know, these kind of like semi-realistic but obviously comic tweets, and everyone was falling really? for it in America, going, "How dare you? you? Don't care at all." He was like, "Hey, this is how it," is. and it was so funny. But it depends on him impersonating. So he's been tweeting Musk, going, "Hey, can't can I not do this anymore?" You know, because he got he got in trouble for impersonating Trump. And he does it. I'm just going to
1: check. Um, does does Titania have? um Parody in her um her account. No, but buying. I think you're
0: allowed to be fictional characters. Still, you're just not allowed okay. to be someone else. The genius of the um the eight dollar plan. I think we've both realized it since last week. Last week we said it didn't work, but then upon reflection, I suddenly realized I knew Musk was smarter than me. It actually does work, and what I, I realized it when he replied to Jennifer Rubin, or I don't know if he replied to her or not, but this Jennifer Rubin, who's a uh, some lefty nutter. put let me put it this way: I will leave Twitter rather than pay Musk a single dime for anything. And I wrote, now I see the genius of Musk's plan. Force the most deranged blue ticks to pay him and thus undermine their shrieking anti-Musk stance, right? They're paying him so they can't be that anti-Musk. Or get bad people off the platform if they leave, which Ruben's threatening to do. Or you reduce their influence if they stay without the new blue tick. They lose their blue tick because they won't pay $8 so they don't get the good algorithm stuff. And I was like, this could actually work. What do you think?
1: I think uh, I think that, that may have been um, a factor in... Uh his calculations but i think the main reason must be because he realizes that um he can't be dependent on these advertisers um to make the platform profitable because then they'll always be able to hold him to ransom as they're trying to do now. So he needs to make it more, the model needs to be much more like Netflix. It needs to be people paying a monthly, lots of little people paying a monthly subscription. Um, uh, And in that way, no one can actually dictate what the politics of the platform should be. That's got to be the kind of the thinking behind it, I think.
0: Yeah, that is key because there was this article about this. Uh, He was threatened by... Accountable Tech, which is a group that got together all these different corporations like Audi and many others to essentially say, look, we're going to pull our advertising. And if you look into it, Accountable Tech is financed by the North Fund, which is a DC nonprofit that's controlled by Arabella Advisors, who are a for-profit philanthropic consulting company founded by Clinton's mate, Eric Kessler. So if you follow the dark money trail, you end up thinking, it's it's Clinton dark money. And um, they're threatening him, like you say, or pressuring. They're pressuring advertisers to pull out, much like this happened to GB News. And then Musk realized there was no appeasing these people. He said he tried his best to appease them. People replied, "You can't appease these people." He's like, "You're right." He said, "Now we're going to go th- have a thermonuclear name and shame of, of advertisers who are who are boycotting free speech." So that's that's the way to do it, isn't it?
1: That's how Andrew Neil dealt with it when a couple of the Spectators' big advertisers were persuaded to suspend their advertising by stop funding hate uh he he literally rang up i think it was there was a like a a big oil and gas company um you know i guess they're particularly sensitive to these sorts of campaigns but he rang up the chief executive and uh, and said if you want to withdraw your advertising from the spectator um uh, know this i will name you as as capitulating to this left-wing campaign group which will make you a sitting duck for every other left-wing campaign group in the country. And in addition, I'll never accept a cent from you to advertise in the spectator again. Your name will never be... Something along those lines anyway. And the guy completely changed his mind to did a reverse ferret and now was in the magazine the
0: next week. That's the way you've got to do it. You've got to make it more painful for them to, to do this stuff than to not do it. And that's it. He tried to work with these quite woke moderators and he, he tried to work with these kind of people. And he's realized it's not going to work because, of course, it can't work. It's not a question of right versus liberal left or something. We're not in, the, in, that, in those times anymore. It's a question of an extremist group that will do anything to destroy you and that want to destroy America and destroy free speech. So that's what he's, he's realizing. But the other thing, just quickly... And, and they also had a human rights team working with the UN, which was bizarre. And all those people have now been sacked. I mean, Twitter secretly working with the UN. That's odd, yeah. That's very and did odd, you see
1: that, that Elon Musk um, effectively uh, endorsed the g o p um, which yeah. was unexpected, given that he wants Twitter to be a kind of neutral non partisan digital town square um uh, that was a bit odd, but he sort of he justified it by saying, "I urge you to vote Republican because we currently got a democratic president, and I think we need a Counterbalance. So, if we have a Republican Senate and a Republican House of Representatives, that will be a more balanced uh, political outcome than if we have a Democratic Senate or House alongside a Democratic president. It was a kind of bizarre, kind of torturous reasoning process for essentially justifying his endorsement of the republican party
0: <laughs> yeah although he has said in the past he was going to vote DeSantis. and he says here my historical party affiliation has been independent with an actual voting history of entirely democrat until this year and i'm open to the idea of voting democrat again in the future but like many people he's just realizing they're absolutely mental at the moment and there's no possible way you can vote mm. for them um okay so that's musk pretty well covered i think that brings us to the end of our stories so it must be time to do Peak Woke. So I've got about four Peak Wokes this this time, and I don't even know what to pick because there were so many. So I always have this problem. But there was this thing of, uh, uh, I think it was HBO, were recommending films directed by women, and they were rec- recommending The Matrix because <laughs> the directors are now trans. So that was one that caught my eye. wasn't quite strong enough. Um, stop targeting women journalists was a good one. There was this bizarre tweet that came out from the UN women account. Of all journalists killed in 2021, 11% were women. And then they say, stop targeting women journalists. And many people pointed <laughs> out, but if only 11% were women, can you really say they're targeting women? So it's absolutely mental. That was definitely a contender. Um, Emma Darcy, this is a strong one was nominated on the GQ men of the year list, despite ostensibly being a woman, but apparently now being non-binary. So I remember when GQ was about like, you know, what what to wear with your suit or something. Now it's about nominating women as men. I mean, she, she we covered her in the past because she said, I'm really good at playing women. And haters said, well, it could be because you are one, but she's non-binary <laughs> now. So... She can be a man. I don't really understand it, Toby, but that's definitely yeah, seen Pete. well
1: It seems, to, I mean, you can sort of, you can imagine, you know, a, a, a woke, glossy magazine nominating a trans woman for Woman of the Year. Um, but nominating someone who's non-binary for Man of the Year does feel like it kind of a bit of a I mean it's like a step too far isn't it um but I think that the explanation must be that I know from experience and having attended those GQ man of the year parties over the years that um you know they negotiate with people they say we're thinking of offering you this prize but we'll only give it to you if you actually turn up um so it's like a bribe to turn up so the paparazzi will have someone to photograph and GQ will get mentioned in the papers the next day um so she must have agreed to turn up in return for... They probably offered her something like... They probably offered a Woman of the Year. You know, she's like, not good enough. And so, well, how about Man of the Year? Okay, deal. You know, so she's now (laughs) going to turn up to get her little gong and be photographed as Man of the Year, no doubt in some pretty frock on the red carpet. that's going to be a headline.
0: Can I nominate one more? Um, The problem is, if you haven't seen this, it won't really make any sense to you. There's a show called New Amsterdam in America, set in New York. And they did this thing where they depicted the response to Roe versus Wade being overturned. And the way they depicted it, and it's a drama, but the way they depicted it was like a sort of montage of people looking sad and dropping cups out of their hand. And just, <laughs> and at one point, a man looks at his young daughter with sadness in his eyes, as if to say, I could have aborted you. <laughs> <And> she, <laughs> she looks at him, it's so strange. And then an iPhone falls out of his hand. And it's the most
1: insane Sh- thing. Surely, surely, I think you've misread that scene. Surely, I don't, haven't actually seen it, but surely <laughs> he's looking at his daughter and thinking, you poor, poor creature, now it'll be harder for you to have an abortion depending on which state you live in. <laughs>
0: You won't I mean, be able to kill my grandchildren in the yeah, future. Yeah, you poor yeah. thing. <laughs> it's absolutely mad. It's a, it's just like it's like a sort of yeah, national disaster, you know, a natural disaster, sort of apocalypse yeah. sort of scenario. You know, everyone's dropping cups and staring at the TV screen in disbelief. But, it, it, but it's because it is, they can't yeah. get abortions and kill babies. God. Yeah,
1: it's like it's it's, beca- it's because of um the joy of witnessing moments like that that um I kind of want Trump not only to declare but to win. The next presidential election, if only for the kind of liberal tears. I know that's very superficial, and he'll <laughs> probably destroy America, and that would be a bad, bad thing. Uh, but it'll be a joyful moment seeing those pictures, you know, mail online, um, uh, as as you know, as Biden concedes and uh, Trump accepts victory. Um, anyway, um, I've got a few um, uh, this week. There was that. There was that story about the. Um, I think Oxford Dom, who wrote a piece for the Journal of Controversial Ideas, in which he said that he, he debated the ethics of whether meat eaters, like whether someone would, whether you had a moral obligation to save a drowning meat eater, um, because after all, they were going to kill many more animals if you did save them, and why value you know, um, human life above animal life. So it was, a, to him, it was an interesting ethical question to which the obvious rejoinder is, um, well, yeah, but you know, if someone is drowning, how can you tell whether they're a meat eater or, you know, a vegan, uh, but then actually you probably could because the drowning vegan would probably say in their last breath,
0: by the way, I'm a, I'm a vegan. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I did see that one. I noted it down, but I just didn't nominate it. I couldn't to be honest with you. It was too annoying for me to click on. I just thought they want me to click on this, but I won't because I can see what they're doing. Just so deliberately inflammatory. But uh, I suppose that was yep. the point of the exercise. But w- what else?
1: Anyway, another one, which is, um, I don't know if you saw this story, but um, uh, a transgender criminal um, made history when they appeared at a Dundee court because they were facing uh, four different charges. And on two of the charges, they had identified during the time that the offence were committed as Alan. But on two of them, they identified as Alana. So essentially, this person was tried both as a man and as a woman. So, and I'm not sure, I think because they currently identify as a woman, the court officials had to use her preferred gender pronouns, even though they had to kind of make it clear that when it came to two of these offences, the defendant had identified as a man and could be referred to as Alan. They weren't misgendering her by referring to her as Alan because she did identify as Alan when she committed these crimes, just not these crimes. Anyway, I thought that was uh, quite a good contender, Um, but I've got one which is even better. The headline is Norwegian man now identifies as a disabled woman using wheelchair uh, almost all the time and there's a picture of a man in a dress in a wheelchair and the opening the opening paragraph of this story is a man in norway is sparking outrage on social media after he was sympathetically interviewed about his decision to begin identifying as a disabled woman so he appeared on good morning norway He's um, I suppose I should say she is is 53 and she is an able bodied male um, who now identifies as a disabled woman. And of course, the outrage uh, is not the fact that a 53 year old male is identifying as a woman, but that an able bodied person is identifying as a disabled person. I mean, it wasn't enough for this chappy to, um, <laughs> to change from man to woman. Um, but he, she wanted to change from able to disabled and that's caused absolute outrage. But when you think about it, I mean, um, it's the same as that um, the woman who um, identified as transracial,
0: yeah yeah i know the one you mean no it's it's it's, uh rachel rachel
1: something yes yes rebecca No, rebecca tubal i think was the philosopher who wrote a piece for a philosophy journal in which she said um if transsexualism is something we think is um you know, morally defensible and indeed worth celebrating. Why isn't transracialism equally defensible and something we should celebrate equally? And um, it was a perfectly, it was a kind of, you know, philosophical thought experiment, a bit like the piece we discussed earlier, but um, it caused an absolute meltdown. And, you know, um, the piece was... in. Protests, you know, sprung up across philosophy departments in America, and um, the journal withdrew the article. And then the editorial board resigned en masse and apologized. It was just a huge kind of uh, shit show. Anyway, um, yeah, Rachel uh,
0: Dolezal is who you're talking about. That's uh, yeah,
1: and she got a reality show out of it, didn't she? She she now <laughs> has a reality show, I think. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Well,
0: Toby, you beat me to it earlier in the week with that Norwegian one, and I and and that has to win peak woke. I forgot about that. You texted it last week and you got in there first and that is the one I'm going to give Pete. Well, you can't beat that, can you? You Someone can't beat like that. And, 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 and actually,
1: it's sort of tempting, isn't it? I mean, not the woman <laughs> part, but um, I've often looked enviously at kind of, you know, fat men whizzing past me on mobility scooters on the way to you know loftus road to see qpr they can cue crack no one says back of the queue mate no one says that to them they go straight to the front they go they go through the gate they don't have to you know mess around with the turnstiles which never work because they try to digitalize them um, and uh, and then they go yeah they just they're in a, a front row seat for the game
0: you know um well, couldn't you identify uh, so it, as disabled just for the games <laughs> just for could you game do that games?
1: could you i mean yeah i mean i, I mean ha, how disabled do you have to be to, to be eligible for a mobility scooter it's really a moral question there's probably no medical test is there? um but i guess uh, yeah i might be i, I guess, how much I you want
0: it really doesn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah i've never know, i've never uh, envied that but uh, but toby <laughs> has and we'll be using it <laughs> to get to the front of qpr games um i'm going to give him peak woke for his norwegian one i'm going to myself weak poke though you should go and watch that nbc video of new amsterdam and the road versus way thing if you want to laugh this is absolutely absurd shall i read out a couple of reviews toby that i've just found yeah i suddenly just thought i'll have a quick look at the reviews now one of them just says very good excellent podcast for midriatic five star and we always appreciate the five stars i've just found this one now that says two icons <laughs> thoroughly enjoy the musings of nick big dog red-pilled leader of men scared of now dixon and Toby. <laughs> so you, you didn't get quite as long a nickname as me, but you were you were in there. So that's very nice. Thank you. Please leave a five-star review. And, uh, you know, that's what keeps us going. And also, of course, donate.
1: Donate to the Daily Skeptic. Every little helps. Um, but also, I wanted to wish Nick a happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Um because it's Nick's birthday today. Um I won't tell you how old he is. He's probably a little bit embarrassed about it because he's no spring chicken anymore. A big um, one, but...
0: 31. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My god, you're almost as old as me. Um but uh anyway, because it's his birthday, I would urge you to go to his Substack and <laughs> um and subscribe. Take out a paid subscription to Nick's Substack and think of it as a birthday present.
0: And that would be a really nice birthday present. Thanks, Toby, because I actually haven't received any presents. When you get to a certain age, I get one card from my beloved parents, and that is all I get. Uh, That's that's all I get. I was meant to play football tonight, but I've got a bad calf injury, so I'm not even going to do that. So basically, I've got nothing happening. I was in a car crash last week. It's been a tough old week. So, this is I'm going for the victim points here, Toby. So, go to nickdixon.substack.com <laughs> and uh, subscribe. And I haven't been doing as many articles as I should because I've been so busy with the uh, GB News stuff. But I've got a little bit of holiday time now, AKA two days. So, so, it gives me a kind of break of a few days. So, I will be doing more Substacks.
1: And I should I should point out after that sob story we've just heard that I did in fact invite you to come with me and my three kids to see QPR v Huddersfield at Loftus Road. But when I pointed out we were in a safe standing area, you you were initially quite enthusiastic. But when you heard you were going to have to stand for the entire match, you bailed because of your car. Fit. In other words, you need a mobility scooter. <laughs> you should if point. you identified as disabled, you could come to the game with us.
0: <laughs> You're right. I appreciate the offer. Yeah, my coughing was really bad, guys. I played five aside last week. I know the listeners want to hear this and. I got a calf knock early in the game and it turned out to be really bad, but I still scored two goals. It was incredible. Wow. It was a bit heroic, really. But it's one of those where after the game, you realize you can barely move and it's actually just not been getting better over the week. So a bit worried about that. But yeah, another birthdays are miserable past about eight years old for men anyway, so it'll, it'll up, just be another up. grimly miserable birthday unless you subscribe to my substack, which would be Amazing. Uh, I think that's everything. Unless you want to add anything, Toby? No, that's it. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you again next week. Bye.